my friends, welcome to Corbett Report Radio. You are tuned into republicbroadcasting.org. And of course, I'm your host for tonight's broadcast. As always, James Corbett here in the sunny climes of western Japan. And of course, I would like to welcome you back to the broadcast here and invite you all, as always, to check into my website, corbettreport.com, where you can find out more information about myself and the work that I do and have been doing for several years now, trying to bring information from an alternative perspective to you, the dear listener out there in the ether, who I, most of whom I have never actually met, but uh, many of whom I feel are kindred spirits out there in the quest for news and information that matters. And that's really what it's all about here, folks. So uh, tonight we have a very interesting broadcast lined up for you, and I will give you the rather provocative-sounding title of tonight's broadcast. It's actually not as provocative as it seems. I, tonight we're going to be talking about the, the Ron Paul trap. And let me clarify right up the fr- at front, I, I don't mean that in the sense that I think Ron Paul is a trap or that uh, supporting his presidential candidacy is a problem of any sort. In fact, I am, broadly speaking, a supporter of Ron Paul. I certainly I don't agree with him on every single point, and there are points of disagreement that we'll get into later, but, but overall he's by far and away the best of the bunch. So um, certainly this is not about that. It's actually about something very different, which is I think people have uh, in the Ron Paul camp have gotten into the habit of assuming that Ron Paul is going to be ignored, is going to be marginalized from the debates, is going to be basically made into a loser. Um, although, of course, if it was a free and open and fair fight, he would never, of course, lose in the battlefield of ideas when he's talking about you know, not invading Iran and other things like that things that the vast majority of the public is fully behind. But uh, but at any rate, people have gotten used to the idea of thinking of the Ron Paul campaign as a losing uphill battle. But now that, uh, that things are really fundamentally changing and it looks like victory is actually in sight, it is attainable, it is a real possibility, now I think it might be best at this point, before any of this starts to happen, that we at least examine the possibility of what happens if Ron Paul does win. People are often prepared for the loss, but are they really prepared for the win? And do they even understand or all of the, the things that that would entail? Because it's not simply a question, I think, of just Ron Paul assuming office and everything turning peachy keen overnight. It's going to be an uphill battle all the way, and it's going to continue even if Ron Paul does achieve the, the almost unthinkable and actually attains office. So we'll be getting into that issue tonight. And uh, I have a lot to say on that matter, so I hope you'll stay tuned for uh, tonight's broadcast. But uh, first off, let me just say, yesterday was a particularly busy day at CorbettReport.com. So if you haven't had the chance to check out the uh, the work on Corbett Report generally, or specifically what I posted up yesterday, I would suggest you go there uh, tonight and do so, because... As I said yesterday, we had uh, quite a flurry of activity, not only, of course, posting up the notes for last night's episode of this broadcast on domestic spying, with all of the links to all of the articles that we mentioned in that broadcast, but also a brand new video, the eye-opener report, of course, an excerpt from this week's eye-opener report for BoilingFrogsPost.com, so you can watch the first few minutes of that broadcast, and subscribers of Boiling Frogs Post can log in to watch the, the, the full uh, video itself. And uh, then we posted up three interviews last night, and I hope that they don't uh, sail under the radar because they were all posted up in quick succession. But uh, last night we talked to Cynthia McKinney, former presidential candidate and one of the only mainstream media candidates, uh, mainstream uh, political candidates who has stood up for 9-11 Truth consistently. 
Uh, even Ron Paul doesn't do that, I would note. So uh, Cynthia McKinney, we talked to about AFRICOM. We talked to Michelle Chosadovsky of the Center for Research on Globalization about the globalization of war and how we're really on the brink of World War III on several different theaters in the Middle East, which threaten to become one region-wide conflagration that will send everything up in nuclear Armageddon. And also we talked to Donna Leframbois, the author of a new book exposing the IPCC, the UN's climate body, and the real uh, so-called science behind it. Welcome back to the broadcast, friends. James Corbett here from CorbettReport.com. And, of course, you are tuned into Corbett Report Radio here on Republic Broadcasting. And tonight we're going over the Ron Paul trap. Not the trap as in Ron Paul, support of Ron Paul is a bad idea, but the trap as in what do we do if Ron Paul actually does win? And more and more, as I say, this is looking like a, a very, very real possibility, which, of course, is a good thing overall. But what does it really mean, and does it mean that all of the problems in, in the world will disappear overnight? And uh, I, I would posit that it certainly wouldn't be that way. So tonight we're going to be going over some of the implications of a Ron Paul win. But before the break, I did mention that although I am a supporter overall of Ron Paul and his campaign, I'm certainly not in agreement with him on every point, and I do have my points of disagreement uh, ultimately, they're not deal breakers, I suppose, um, but they, they are points of concern. So just to get that out of the way, uh, first, of, first up, so that people know where I'm coming from on that issue, I would like to point to a very, very important series of articles that Sibel Edmonds was running uh, on BoilingFrogsPost.com back in September of this year, where she was uh, very concerned about the fact that Bruce Fine had been named as a uh, the chief legal advisor to the Ron Paul campaign. And on on a certain basic, uh, I guess, uh, surface level, that doesn't seem like such a big problem because Bruce Fine has some good rhetoric about uh, civil liberties issues. But when you start looking into his uh, connections and his background, it, it really is quite worrying that he has been a very, very influential neocon. And uh, to have him latch on to the Paul campaign was a very worrying development. And Sibel Edmonds was running a campaign for a few weeks to raise a, awareness of this and to get supporters to to uh, write letters, to email, to phone the uh, the campaign itself to try to get some some comment about this or to even get a fine taken off of the, the campaign. But absolutely nothing came of that. And as far as I know, I, I, I can't actually confirm this right at this second, but as far as I know, he's still working for the campaign as a legal advisor. So it's, uh, it is quite worrying. And and uh, unfortunately, in that whole campaign, I did see some of the types of things that, that people, uh, for example, in the Obama camp did in the run-up to the uh, 2008 election, where they were saying, oh, well, yes, yeah, so, I mean, Obama is fundamentally a, a great uh, candidate, and he's a nice guy, and he means well, but, yeah, I mean, he's got, uh, you know, some of these neocons and some of these uh, horrible people in uh, in his president, uh, in his uh, campaign. He's got Rahm Emanuel as his White House chief of staff and stuff, but, you know, he'll... It's only because he has to play those politics. Well, I saw that exact same kind of uh, well self-delusion going on with the, the Ron Paul supporters that, uh, well, yes, of course, Bruce Fine's a terrible uh, neocon and, and a horrible person for the campaign, but, you know, Ron Paul's a good guy and he'll win out. So I just want to caution against that. Also, I'm fundamentally, I don't think I can subscribe to the proscriptions of the Austrian economics. Certainly, I agree that the Federal Reserve System as it exists today has to be dismantled, has to be abolished, has to be completely and utterly destroyed because it was the the creature from Jekyll Island that has been the cause 
of so much economic mi- mi- misery over the past century as the dollar has become toilet paper, as we've seen. But I don't think that the gold standard is the way to go for backing a currency. And, uh, and there's lots of reasons for that. And we've touched on that before with guests like Paul Grignon. But at any rate, those are, that's where I'm coming from where I say I can't completely support everything Ron Paul says or does. But having said that, there is absolutely no doubt in my mind that Ron Paul is for real and that he is the best of the, the, the candidates out there, at least the ones that have any shot at all of getting to the presidential office. So I very much am behind the Ron Paul campaign, generally speaking. And to come to tonight's point, the point really does need to be stressed that Ron Paul is truly on the verge of taking the Republican nomination. And it, from there, it's really just one step to the White House. And I think anyone who's been keeping their eye on the issue knows that Ron Paul has a very, very good chance of going all the way if he's going toe-to-toe with Obama because Obama and, uh, is just absolutely bleeding support from his own base, and I think there would be a huge independent sway towards Ron Paul in an Obama-Paul race. So really, I think if Paul can secure the Republican nomination, the, the idea of seeing him in the White House is, is truly within our grasp. A very, very exciting thing. And just to back that point up, let's take a look at some articles that have come out, even just in the last few days, of course, as the... Uh, the campaign in the uh, Iowa uh, area is just going off the charts. Lots of media hype around this, and not even really the controlled corporate media can really block out Ron Paul to the extent that they were able to in the early parts of this campaign or in the 2008 election cycle. And it's becoming quite noticeable to everyone that uh, that Paul is more and more being, well, excluded as a top-tier candidate. I mean, it's just a ridiculous idea when you look at the actual polls. And on that very note, we have this article from digitaljournal.com that came out just yesterday, um, and it was by Michael Krebs. And he writes, Ron Paul and Newt Gingrich in statistical tie in latest Iowa poll. And it says, quote, according to the latest poll from public policy polling, Former House Speaker Newt Gingrich holds just a one percentage point lead over Congressman Ron Paul among likely Republican voters. In a Republican presidential contest that to date has largely been defined by the range of dramatic pendulum swings, a new poll coming out of Iowa just three weeks before the Iowa caucus reflects the rise of the libertarian-leaning former Texas Congressman Ron Paul, vaulting Paul to a statistical tie for first place with national frontrunner and former House Speaker Newt Gingrich. The poll conducted by public policy polling positioned Gingrich with 22% of the vote and Paul with 21%. Romney placed third with 16%, according to a report by the Daily Caller. And of course, that one percentage point difference between Gingrich and, and Paul falls within the, the statistical uh, variability of that poll, the, uh, the, the chance that uh, plus or minus however many percent. So really, they are statistically tied in that poll. A huge story. It would be, of course, front page major mainstream news headlines in a world where the mainstream news was actually dictated by reality instead of the phony make-believe Disneyland, Never Neverland that they've created and uh, put before, dangle before us, uh, the public, every single day with their silly, made-up, soap opera-type news stories. So absolutely bombshell information there, but of course getting scant attention in the mainstream media so far. Uh, we do have, uh, for example, in the National Post, uh, one of Canada's two national newspapers, uh, this article, Ron Paul closing in on top spot in Iowa race. This is from five days ago now, so it's a bit old news, but they are at least admitting that uh, that Paul has entered the top tier, and he was the libertarian long shot 
but he has a chance to steal the big prize, according to the National Post. So again, just more indications that uh, that it's getting harder and harder to ignore Paul and his incredible momentum at this stage of the game. Of course, right now, when it counts the most in these very, very important early primaries. And then um, even further confirmation, although some people might not want to even hear about it, and I must admit I'm I have my own reservations about it, but even Rachel Maddow, yes, that creature from MSNBC, is saying that uh, he, Ron Paul is gaining in the polls because he's the only Republican opposing war with Iran. And again, I am not a supporter of Rachel Maddow or her opinions on basically anything, but it is important to note that she is very much a mainstream mouthpiece for the, I guess, the, uh, the at least a large segment of the so-called liberal progressive a section of American society. So her words do carry some weight, at least um, among some of the, the well, Kool-Aid drinkers and zombies out there who actually listen to what she says. And uh, and she is pointing out that Paul is the only Republican anti-war candidate. And in fact, he's the only Republican or Democrat anti-war candidate because, of course, Obama, Obama is not uh, anti-war. He is Obama. He is the Nobel Prince of Peace Prize who believes in humanitarian love bombs and who will undoubtedly carry us into war after war if he can get away with it. So um, although she wouldn't go that far, of course, that's really what uh, a lot of the people out there who have been actually watching the real news know is is the implicit part of that statement. So just reading from that article on Mediaite.com, Representative Ron Paul got an unexpected shout-out tonight from the other side of the aisle, as Rachel Maddow noted after her extended interview with Vice President Joe Biden, that only Representative Paul among the Republican candidates, vocally opposed the war with Iran. The comment came in response to the pride Maddow said she felt in the vice president when he discussed the end of the war in Iraq and his opposition to a second attack. Yes, right, pride, because of course, so Obama and, and Biden just don't want to go to war again, right? It doesn't, doesn't help them at all, and it certainly wouldn't help if they started a war within the, uh, the few months before the, the, the actual uh, 2012 election that that wouldn't help their their campaign at all would it no of course not but they might be forced to if, if there's another drone hacking event or something to ignite that fire in iran and of course uh maddow and all of the other so-called liberal progressives on the uh, mainstream corporate media will continue to play along with that soap opera and make believe as if it were really true but uh, but we all know better than that and at the very least she is acknowledging that Paul is the anti-war candidate and is for real and has been consistently anti-war on every possible issue since the beginning so again i i don't agree with Maddo or what she's saying on on almost any issue but it is important that uh, this mainstream mouthpiece is actually pointing out the truth about Ron Paul and his true anti-war stance so, again, uh, that just goes to show that really in an Obama-Paul race, when it really came down to it, there are a lot of people who would supposedly be in the Obama camp on the left side of the aisle who would really cross over into a Paul campaign that was truly about ending the wars. Because, unfortunately, as we know, the troops might be, quote-unquote, coming home from Iraq, but we know that some of them, at the very least, have been diverted to Jordan on the Syrian border for the next stage of the uh, the melodrama playing out in that theater of operations. And uh, it, interesting to note, people who have been following that story, which, of course, I broke on CorbettReport.com with Sibel Edmonds of BoilingFrogsPost.com over the weekend, and there were a lot of people who were skeptical about that story, and rightly so, because it was coming from 
uh, unnamed sources and, and people that, that uh, couldn't be confirmed, but it has since been uh, confirmed for independently by Debcafile. And again, think what you will about Debcafile, but at any rate, they had their own sources that were confirming that, uh, that story. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, a minister in the Jordanian government actually came out to deny that uh, American troops or any foreign troops are amassing on the Syrian border. So uh, just an interesting part of that story. But at any rate, of course, Ron Paul is the anti-war candidate, as anyone who's watching reality knows. At any rate, let's come back talking about the Ron Paul trap question mark tonight. And if you want to get in on the conversation, it's 1-800-313-9443. All right, friends, we're back here on Corbett Report Radio. Of course, I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, and tonight we're going over the Ron Paul trap, the question of what will happen if Ron Paul really does take the brass ring and become president after the 2012 election cycle. What will really become of that presidency, and what kinds of things should we at least be bracing for? Because really, as I've laid out in the last segment, it's becoming more and more a reality and something that's even being talked about by some of the the bigwigs in the mainstream. So uh, it is something that we have to start preparing for, because as I said in the beginning of tonight's broadcast, just because Ron Paul is the president does not mean that all the problems will disappear. And unfortunately, as we know, presidents can easily be set up, even no matter how well-intentioned they might be, to be the false got fall guys for a, uh, a plan that unfortunately has been full unfolding for a very long time and as we know is really coming to a culmination in the next year or two as all of these economic and financial and military fiascos start to coalesce and really create some very, very big and almost insurmountable headaches. Of course, we know that the system really needs a crash to purge it of so much of the corruption that has unfortunately infested the roots and branches of the Tree of Liberty. But uh, does that mean that they could actually allow someone like Ron Paul into office in order to then blame the collapse on him and his policies? That, to me, is something that we have to at least start game planning out here. We have to start hashing out whether this is a possibility and what we can or should be proactively doing about that uh, that possibility. So I think this is something that we have to keep our eye on, because again, as we know, presidents who stand up and speak their mind don't tend to last very long, and I don't think we've seen anything like that for the last half century, since at least one president who didn't quite go along with the full agenda got his head blown off in right, right in the middle of the day, in the broad daylight, in, in public, and... The coup d'etat was affected, and we all know how that played out afterwards. So it's also important, I think, to to realize that that it, the there are many ways, of course, that Ron Paul, even if he won the, the Republican nomination or even in the process of winning that nomination, he could still be undermined and, and there could be subterfuge at every level. Of course, we know that the polling, the, the electronic voting machines are absolutely rigged top to bottom and we know all of the shenanigans that can go on in the election cycle we know all the types of smear campaigns and things that will inevitably be run if it looks like paul is at any point in uh, potentially going to win we know there are all way all sorts of ways that they can pull the plug on the campaign through underhanded subterfuge so i think we have to be aware of that and expect that as well 
And then if he does win, it's a question of, well, are they setting him up for something? And it's not something that I want to second-guess too much, because uh, you can second-guess this all you like and, and use it as an excuse to not take action and not get involved. I, that's definitely not the message tonight. It's just a question of being prepared for what might be to come. But on that note, we already have a caller on the line. We have John from Canada, so let's go straight to your calls. Uh, John, thank you so much for holding. What's on your mind tonight? Hey, James. Uh, yeah, I, I do believe that uh, Ron Paul is a trap, for sure. Um, I, and I also uh, am pretty confident in understanding that the game can be played differently, But and maybe we can get a chance to talk about that after I make a couple points on Ron Paul's um, uh, political skill here. Uh, like you were talking about with the Federal Reserve, um, the fundamental issue here, uh, from the way I understand it, is uh, we don't we, we don't cognizantly have it together to know that banks don't cover our loans. So when you go to borrow money from a bank, they don't have to cover that money. That's where the con starts. And uh, fractional reserve banking in and of itself there isn't inherently corrupt because essentially that's credit. But the fundamental error is that the credit that they're extending doesn't come out of their pockets, and yet we pay them, and they put that money into their pockets. So you take a mortgage on a house, 30-year mortgage, pay 29 years, miss one payment, they, you don't get any of your money back, and they take the house. And they didn't put, you know, since the repeal of Glass-Steagall and the investment bankers who are part of this, they don't put in a penny. They don't have to put in a penny. You give them half your life for nothing. So Ron well, Paul that, yeah, let, let me add to that point. That's exactly right. The fact is that we, we tend to say that the money is created out of nothing, but it is, in fact, backed by something. It's backed yeah. by your promise to pay. And I, I, you're putting yourself into debt servitude for 20 or 30 or 40 years of your life in order to pay that back. So you, in fact, create the money through your own labor, which is mm-hmm. the real secret, and, uh, and they steal that from you. Yeah, so th- that's a and, – and we can understand through the political machinations of our day, very few people – have that have that knowledge, and, I, and sometimes you can sit down and talk to people, and you can even communicate in English and think that both of you are understanding what you're talking about. But then, in a couple of seconds, you go, "Oh wait, no, you don't actually truly understand." So it's a real struggle on behalf of our species to to understand, you know, what what good banking can be, and it's certainly got nothing to do with going to the gold reserve because that's just ridiculous when we work out the facts on that. It's just we've got to buy a bunch of gold from somebody, Alex Jones, no doubt, and other issues. They're so supremely important, uh, such as the Iraq War. It is a criminal offense. Why? Because soldiers, or it's a war crime, I should say. Why? Soldiers have died for no better good or reason understood. We had unrestricted access to go wherever we pleased prior to the first bomb being dropped. So by killing, you know, more than 2 million people, we've only lowered our ability to move freely about. But Ron Paul throughout this entire escapade of war crimes, well, we say, well, we don't want to police the world. They stole all the Iraq development fund. They go into towns and arrest every male between the ages of 10 to 55 to be taken away to their dungeons. They're not policing. They don't have the policing skills, and they certainly shouldn't be allowed to become police officers either because they can't determine a person's guilt or innocence by the evidence trail. They don't follow probable cause. And this is the big third thing about Ron Paul. Okay, okay, John, we're up against the break, but just hold on. We'll, we'll come back to you after these messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
Welcome back, friends. James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. Tonight on Corbett Report Radio, we're going over the Ron Paul trap. What happens if Ron Paul actually does win the presidency? And we're talking to John in Canada. So, John, we have some other callers on the line, but uh, would you like to finish up with what you were saying? Sure. I, I think our main struggle here is uh, we have fears of uncertainty. It's our ego gets in the way. We don't want to be wrong or look dumb. Uh, so we back away from facts like uh, BP removed the safety fluid. That caused the explosion. There's no, there's no debate. They have to be arrested. We have to seize their assets because they're serious criminals. They pulled off a, uh, uh, they blew up another oil rig. Apparently, they were. I just learned recently in the in the agency somewhere. At the same time, they did it on purpose. It was maliciously done. That's what we're fearful of. No, I can't be. That's just your opinion. Uh, uh, Ron Paul's son, uh, Rand Paul says. You just want to find somebody to blame. Sometimes accidents happen, and that's what he sells. And so he sells you the uncertainty. Oh, good. Rand Paul, yeah. my savior, I don't have to be intimidated by the facts that cost our lives. And this is, you know, one of the big things with Ron Paul is he doesn't champion justice for our team, man. He, everybody says he's a constitutionalist. If he was a constitutionalist, he would have demanded the impeachment of, of Bush for closing investigations on 9-11 immediately after the crime occurred. That's how they control us. You're fearful of what you don't understand. Say, so it can't be true. And the cops tell you that the head of the Democratic Party, who was uh, tried, who they tried to murder with anthrax, told us that. And and of course, we don't know who set the explosives into World Trade Center yet seven yet. And that's how the new politics is going to be played. We don't have to play this game. We demand justice. What soldier would disagree with me? They don't exist except for those that hide and pretend they're men. I know. Right. Yeah. We can well, all right, John, I, mutual... I hear you, and I, I certainly agree on a lot of those points. I, I think that absolutely one of the uh, the really disheartening things about Ron Paul overall is the uh, the lack of 9-11 truth uh, at all in there. And some people say he secretly knows what's going on, but he can't he can't talk about it because it would ruin his president's, uh, presidential nomination like ability. But to me, that's even worse, because anyone yeah. who would hold back on the truth in order to get elected is the type of person we don't want to elect. I mean, that's, that's exactly the point. You got it, man. That's it. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, John, I appreciate your comments. But as I say, we got some other calls. But thank you for the call. And uh, let's move on to some other callers. In fact, we have a very special caller on the line. We have Anthony J. Hilder, which I'm sure many of you will know uh, as a researcher and a documentary filmmaker who's been making documentaries like Illuminati 9-11 and talking about the all of these connections to these uh, secret societies and the CFR and all of this for literally decades and decades. So, uh, Anthony Hilder, thanks for joining us tonight. Well, I'm happy to be here, and we have a war going on currently. We have a woman named Deborah Tavares. Every movement needs a Joan of Arc, and uh, she, she certainly is that. There is an issue in which we can have a presidential candidate um, bring to the fore two things that are covered up. One is the fact that we are being hit daily, hourly, everywhere across the United States with electronic poisoning. I have to call it poisoning. Um, we have the smart meters, which are death meters. These are... Number two, class B2 carcinogens, which cause cancer. They are being forced upon our homes. It's not a matter of choice. We don't have choice. And this is an issue in which we can win. Now, the, the lady who has had two homes attacked yesterday morning by the Southern California Edison, and uh, we've had another huge 
uh, electronic conglomerate, uh, which is uh, the uh, Pacific Gas and Electric. This was hit by a woman, Erin Abronovich, uh, or what's her name? Uh, her, I'm trying to think of her name. Erin A movie, movie made about her. Aaron and in this particular movie, she took on the big boys. And uh, Deborah Tavares is taking on the big boys. And uh, she's on the phone with me right now. And I thank you for bringing this on because we need to bring this story to the fold. The, the police department in the state is complicit with... Uh, this large, huge conglomerate, it's an international criminal cabal, which is trying to bring about the grid system in the United States. If this is done, they will be taking the first major step towards the depopulation of the United States and the depopulation of the world. These smart murder meters have a real stat on them. They can be cranked up. and They're, they're calling for mandatory implants of these, they're like wall warts, implants into the system. And uh, yesterday morning, uh, her complex, she's got a complex, she has about 23 or so apartment units in Covina, California, and six units in San Gabriel, California. Both units, both apartment complexes were hit simultaneously. The utility company came in with, with arms, with guns, saying that you and you and you, everyone who's listening to the show, has to take this murder meter, which is a carcinogen, which causes Class B2 cancers. It's based on militarized weaponry that it was devised by the military for crowd control. And this is the same I type of uh, unit that is used when they when they aim this towards uh, an oncoming band of troops who will make them crap in their pants, literally, to, to the, so they lose their bowels, or at least control of them. And that's very difficult to fight a war like that. This is the same type of weaponry. It's classified by the military as a, as a weapon. And this is a weapon on all of the homes of America. They're planning on installing 140 million of them. This would be the single largest issue of a political campaign if Ron Paul would take on that issue. Now, I have gone to, or with a representative, to Washington, D.C., and drafted some legislation, the Planetary Population Protection and Atmospheric Air Purity Act. It's been given to Ron Paul. It's been given to Rand Paul. I had a long conversation with Ron Paul in front of a camera. I asked him about 911. Uh, he didn't want to talk about that. And yet he knows about it. Because he thinks, well, it'll hurt his presidency. No, it won't. It would, it would save his presidency. 
He can't get anywhere. He hasn't got anywhere. They can't do anything without bringing up two issues. The crap that is falling from the skies. We're talking about the nanoparticulates containing sulfur hexafluorides, aluminum oxide, barium, barium salts, strontium, this is insane. This is falling upon us. We take a, we look up and we don't see. We look forward, and we can't see the past. We don't recognize the past. There is a war going against us from above the skies and on the ground. Any candidate that was legitimate, if Ron Paul were legitimate, he could he could sail with this. It will gather wind. It will gather energy. And uh, Deborah Tavares is on the air. Tell, tell us what happened yesterday, would you? Well, absolutely. Um, we have uh, units, as Anthony just said, uh, in Southern California. And um, we've been very concerned with tenants that had recently, well, actually for about six months, complaining of headaches, nausea, ear palpitations, um, uh, inability to sleep through the night, some of the many, many symptoms that occur with this technology from the smart meters. It is based on weaponized technology and on refusesmartmeters.com. People can take a look at that military document. And uh, all of the people that have been getting so sick are having the experience and symptoms exactly the way this technology was designed. It was designed as crowd control, and we are absolutely the crowd. So as tenants started to express um, their illnesses as property owners and landlords, we uh, wrote to our utility company telling them that they needed to, to remove the meters, and we actually gave them 21 days of, and, and sent in an affidavit and told them if they did not remove it within 21 days, we were going to have to take corrective action, which we did. And uh, we told them that they would, we would be returning their smart meters to them and replacing those smart meters with the original analog meters that are industry tested over time and have not caused those types of symptoms and illnesses. We replaced those and we put uh, screens, anti-vandalism screens around them and they were still able to be read because it would then now require that a meter reader go back to the properties and actually take the reader meets, reader, reader meet, reads manually as opposed to having them sit remotely, which is one object of uh, firing uh, and laying off the meter readers on the new grid uh, meter system. Have you had a conversation with Ted the Terrible Turner, Jane Fonda's ex-husband? who told you that they were trying to reduce the population of the planet by 95% just to get rid of the scum, just to get rid of some of you out there, just yeah, to get rid of your children, your mama, your daddy, your sister, your brother, your yeah. mother, because they're no longer useful. They are useless eaters. That's and that right. is the attitude that prevails. It's the attitude that prevails throughout Washington, D.C. Gingrich, member of the Council on Foreign Relations, whose active unit out there, the CIA, creates wars, they're in the process of creating wars. It's the war of the weak. And Obama, who's the bankster's boy, is out there 
He's not just on his knees shining their shoes. He's their boy. But I would rather have Gingrich. I would, I mean, excuse me, I would rather have Gingrich uh, go down to defeat in Obama in for another 12 years than Gingrich, because Gingrich understands this. We're talking about killers in control. Absolutely. And, uh, Deborah is fighting this thing. We have a film. It's in the process of being finished. As we are now talking, it is now being transferred over to our sites, which is aircrap, aircrap, C-R-A-P, dot org, commoncrime.net, commoncrime.net, ourenglanduk.com, freeworldalliance.com, freeworldfilmworks.com. Um, we're talking about uh, refuse smart meters dot com, and uh, this will be up on my television show in England, which goes to ten million stations or ten million dishes. I don't know how many people actually watch, but we are across England, ten million of them. Tomorrow, for two hours straight, but uh, that'll be at nine o'clock England in English time. You won't be able to see it. Why am I telling you about this? Because once you know that <laughs> exactly. we're, we're well, some of the people actually out there probably are going to be listening to this from England. But uh, but actually, I, I, this is an extremely important topic and one that I've covered a little bit on my own podcast, episode one hundred and three, that I released back in two thousand nine. The smart grid cometh, talking about these smart meters and how they're going to be used to engineer our society. But uh, Deborah Anthony, do you think there is a political solution to this? I believe there is a political solution. First of all, we get rid of all of the above. Um, but the political solution doesn't always come with a vote. We sometimes win by losing. But like uh, uh, Sun Tzu said, that uh, all of these battles, all of the wars, are won before the battle begins. The reason I was so deliberate and doing each phrase in peace rather than talking normally, at the beginning of this, I wanted to, people to understand that this has to be brought to the public. There is this war that hasn't been recognized, this war that must be fought electronically, that must be fought through the websites, through the putting in of Twitters and little things like I had never heard of. They have to be used. They have to be used often. They have to be used now. We should call for the impeachment of the President of the United States. It would be great if uh, Ron Paul would do that. But I sat down with Ron Paul face-to-face for over an hour, or at least the better portion of it, and done a show, and they talk about the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve, he says, well, we don't have to abolish it yet. We just have to control it. No, we have to abolish it. These people must be in jail. Their property must be confiscated. They must be put in prison for life or used for medical experiments. And I'm serious. They have, their lives have been used to destroy us. Why not having their lives used to save us, the Fukushima event was triggered by 
the tsunami. The tsunami was triggered by the earthquake. The earthquake was triggered by HARP. And what is going Personally, on? Personally, I don't know if I can support that statement. Well, I, if, you, if you want you to, don't have to support I'm that with just, facts, I'm, that I'm just saying, if you go to uh, aircraft.org, uh, we're going to have a woman on there uh, who is uh, one of the people who worked on HARP. Is a whistleblower. And uh, she uh, she was telling me that, yes, this was used. And I said, well, I need proof. And she furnished proof. She went to the um, web, well, to her computer, and she showed me the picture of uh, the screen on March 8th. And uh, this is of, of Harp. Showed nothing. Up to midnight, then on the 9th, bam. They turned this thing on. It looked like the inside of a crematory. She said it was directionalized. The beams towards the tectonic plates in the trench. But that's just one thing. The major thing that we can do right now and right here is go to uh, this refusesmartmeters.com. We've got a picture, and it's being made into a movie right now. But Deborah Tavares will tell you just a little bit about uh, how bad it is and how this war has begun and where it is right this second. All right, guys, we're going to have to leave it there. We're coming up against the break, but thank you so much for calling in. And when we come back, we've got some other callers on the line, and we'll wrap up tonight talking about the Ron Paul trap right here on Corbett Report Radio. Welcome back to the closing minutes of Corbett Report Radio here on Republic Broadcasting. And tonight we're talking about the Ron Paul trap, whether Ron Paul winning the presidency might in fact be even more part of the elite's plans to set Ron Paul and his supporters up for a big fall, a big crash, which we know has been being engineered for a long time. That's the essential point that I wanted to make today, that at least raise that possibility so that uh, we can be prepared for a win as much as we, uh, unfortunately, have been prepared for a loss. But on that note, we have another caller on the line. We have Chris from Las Vegas. So, Chris, it's great to have you back on. What's on your mind tonight? Well, thank you, James. Uh, I'm like you. I feel it is a particular political conundrum that we have. However, there is veritable no other true considerable option in that most of them are extreme leftist socialist candidates that have been posed as conservatives to give us a false choice. And the only true choice that we have by historical proving of votes and positions that support constitutional uh, comportable positions repetitively over the past 10 years and the fact that he is sort of an outsider as being a doctor, and he would certainly grasp things, but he does realize the reality of political implications that can't have a manifest immediate change that must be effectuated over a period of time. And I don't see where Americans truly have any other choice if they want somewhat of a conservative candidate with somewhat constitutional principles other than Ron Paul, you can't take the neocon Newt Romney or yeah. Mitt, 
whatever his name is. Or, yeah, yeah Rich. Yeah. And yeah, no, I, I hear you. And I, I let me be clear, I completely agree with you. Ron Paul, the best of the bunch, uh, no doubt. So uh, let me be clear, that's not the point of tonight's episode to try to cast discussions on the Paul campaign. But but what do you think about that idea that if Paul wins, what, what will he do with the presidency? And could he be set up to be the fall guy for the big crash? Well, he could be set up in that fashion, although I figure their tactic would more likely be a Mossad heart attack. And so it would be an important perspective to consider who he might choose as a vice presidential candidate. Extremely important, especially considering, for example, LBJ with President Kennedy or with Bush when Reagan was almost assassinated. Absolutely very important. Absolutely. I. You know, there are a couple of pretty good considerations in the new crop. Adam uh, West is one. Uh, I think there are probably a couple of others. The one from Utah is pretty good. You know, there are several that are really quite sharp individuals that could be considered, although, you know, I don't think there's anybody on that list of people uh, with possibly Michelle Bachman being an exception, although her tax attorney status has definite considerations that deserve examination and uh, close inspection, you know, but she seems to be pretty genuine uh, from what my mere perceptions are. But these are excellent points that we have to be articulate about, but I can't see where there's any other candidate on the menu that even deserves consideration other than Ron Paul at this point. So I'm I, I think you're you're absolutely right as well, but that's going to be the next huge issue. If uh, if Paul actually did secure the Republican nomination or was heading in that direction, who he starts to pick for his potential cabinet and who he's uh, picking as his running mate and people who might be slotted to be working in the White House would be extremely important for the overall tenor of his presidency. So I think that would be a very important thing to, to be looking at and reading the tea leaves to say, see which way that the, uh, the entire thing was going to go. But on that note, uh, we're fresh out of time. Uh, we're just coming up on the end of tonight's broadcast. So uh, once again, Chris, thank you for your call, as always. And thank you to all of you out there for listening. And uh, let me just remind you all that uh, actually uh, tomorrow night we're going to be talking to Madison Rupert of EndTheLie.com. So until then, thank you for listening and take care.